Hey, hey, remarkable people. This is Tracy Robbins, and you are listening to Thy Neighbor Podcast. This podcast is designed to inspire you to expand your community, to connect more often with those who are in your path, and of course, to love thy neighbor as thyself. You will hear from individuals in my day-to-day life who are crushing it and making the world a more lovely place to inhabit. Have a listen. Julie, it is so great to have you on my podcast today, and I'm so excited that you are going to be talking to all of us. Um, When I got married, Julie called me and asked how she could assist me. And I told her that I didn't have anything to stand under. Um, and so um, she proceeded to build us this awesome structure that uh, sh- that we could stand under and then decorate it beautifully. And um, Julie, of course, is like, of course, I can do that. No problem. And of course, then she pulls out her tools and her wood and she goes to town and builds this. And then um, she proceeds to put it, hitch it to the back of her. What kind of car do you have? It was a like a Sentra, a Nissan Sentra sedan. Had a yeah. little trailer <laughs> yeah. to it. <laughs> she like, hitches truck, it. You know? Right. She hitches it to her Nissan Sentra and brings it up to from Provo to Salt Lake City for the wedding. And my brother-in-law Jim said, Tracy, Julie is amazing. She is a can-do woman. And I just thought that is the perfect explanation of Julie. Julie is a can-do woman. And you have done so many things like that in your life where you're just like, oh, okay. Like I'll build my own house. So um, I'm just (laughs) curious, um, how do you feel like you've developed this attitude of I can do anything? Um, well, first it's great to be on here. Thanks so much for inviting me on. You're so sweet. Tracy is the best as you all listening know. And, um, she's so sweet and I'm honored to, to be answering these questions and, and to be here with you. So, um, uh, candy attitude. I, I think I, I think it kind of came from growing up when we, uh, when I grew up, my both of my parents really had a love of learning, especially my father. And he, he instilled that love of learning. And at a young age, I realized the value of experiences and, and not, not limiting myself to any specific gender roles or gender learning. Um, I just wanted to learn it all. (laughs) And so whatever was interesting, which proved to be somewhat difficult, you know, going into college and trying to find a major, but, but um, yeah, just going in and, and seeing what I was interested in and then going for it and, and learning to do it. I'm like, well, if someone else can do it, then, then I can do it. Uh, And so, so yeah. And I'm curious also, could you tell me a little bit about your father? And I don't actually know a lot about your father. So can you tell me a little bit about him? Yeah, he was a quiet guy. Um, He, if I, if I were to paint a visual for you, um, he was someone you wore very thick glasses. You'd see him wearing a button up shirt with a pocket full of pens and, 
and tape on his glasses. <laughs> That's how I, I see him. But he's he's also uh, he, he's very quiet, you know, sometimes difficult with socializing and things like that. But just he just loved reading. Like every time I saw him, he was studying and reading something. And and he taught me to read at a very young age before school started. I, I remember just reading and, and enjoying that. And um, and so he was also a very um, patriotic man and uh, instilled a, a love of this country and a love of the foundation and of this country and the founding fathers and everything and and a love of the gospel um, and just just studying it and just the joy that comes from gaining knowledge. And, and so, um, yeah. I also feel like, um, you have had, well, there's been a few things in your life that I know about, for example, um, when you married Homolo, um, and Homolo is from Brazil. Um, Uh and he, you went on your second date at my wedding right? Is this correct? Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Second uh, yeah. And I'm curious, like, can you tell us a little bit about meeting Homolo and that journey of that relationship developing? Yeah. Um, so I, I was a single mom at the time. I had a little three-year-old and I was working. I was kind of in in survival mode, if, you know, maybe other single moms can relate, it's just like, Hey, I got to find daycare. Like that was the nemesis. It's just finding daycare every day and everything. And, um, and so I was just focused on that, but I was like, quote unquote, doing my part to like get out there. And so sign up on a dating app, little swiperoo, you know, left or right kind of thing. And, um, uh, I, I saw him and I was like, Oh, you know, when you're swiping, sometimes it's just like, Oh, you're just swiping. And I I was kind of, I didn't, I didn't respond as much as I should. I have gotten better. Um, but he, he reached out to me after we both swiped and, and it took me some time and he, um, he wrote me and it took a little while and he's like, Hey, So I'm writing you, haven't heard anything back. And, and so then I wrote this little blip back and then he would write me and it would take a long time. And then finally he's like, you know, Julie, I, I understand that this is probably a scary thing for, uh, it's a scary thing for both of us. And, and we've both been through some things. We might be a little scared, but, um, but we need to move forward and, and it's going to take two of us to do that. And so, um, I totally respect if, you know, if you're not interested, anything like that. Um, but I would, I'd love to hear back from you, but you know, you, it, it's going to take both of us to do this. And I'm like, ah, okay. I will, I will write back. And, and so I wrote back and, and, uh, we went on our, first day he's like just tell me the time and the place and the day and I will be there I'm like okay this this and this this is where we'll meet and so we met and we uh, met at a restaurant we actually just we didn't even eat we just talked and talked um we ran out of time to eat and uh, and at the end of the day he gave me 
a book, which was totally like pitching like brownie points there. Um, like, wow, I was really impressed. And so then your wedding was the next weekend. I was like, well, you know, maybe it'd be fun. And I was chatting with some, you know, the other girlfriends and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, I met this guy. And they kind of urged like, hey, you should invite him. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll just invite him. And so he totally came and um, <laughs> helped me set up the arch and everything. But uh, yeah, from there, it's, you know, there was some definitely, definitely some divine intervention that that happened because I was terrified to be dating and I was like oh I can't experience what I experienced again and so I'm like trying to find all the red flags and everything and and making sure I'm making the right decision I mean there's no way you can guarantee 100% that you're seeing everything you know that is needed um uh, to have a successful marriage and you know there's so many other factors that go into it but um but yeah heavenly father really just kind of stepped in and helped us to help our relationship grow and, and develop. And yeah. And home alone is so awesome. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> anyway. Um, so also I was curious, so let's rewind a little bit and tell us yeah. about your, your first marriage and your first experience with that and why it would have been so difficult to get into another relationship with another yeah. person. I mean, just like why that is so difficult for a, for you at that time. Right. Um, yeah. So my first marriage, uh, I, you know, you, it, like hindsight is 2020 what they say, like you only know afterwards, like, Oh, those are totally red flags. Those are things that, you know, that I, uh, that needed to be addressed before moving forward. Um, but you only know what you know. And, and I can't fault myself for it. I'm just, you just learn from it. Um, and so the first marriage, there were some, some red flags and, and things that I, that I didn't see or, or that I thought would go away. Uh, I thought would just, you know, resolve themselves and just FYI, it doesn't, it just gets bigger and, um, and so different boundaries and things of, of the way he was treating me. And, um, and, you know, there was my part too, no matter, you know, what, what marriage or there's, there's going to be discord in, in any marriage. And, and so, but with this, it, it got taken, um, uh, to an unhealthy level, um, where we, couldn't work out disagreements and things. And so, um, it got to a point where, where I had to, um, get the authorities involved, like the police involved and things and, um, and, to you know, protect myself. And, and, uh, and so that was just a surprising thing. I was in this cycle. There was, you know, there was, some um, a lot of, emotional verbal uh type of abuse going on and it it started it was on the verge of becoming physical and um uh it just uh, like it was such a it's such a crazy place to be in um because like my my sister she she was 
so concerned and she, she could see it. And I know if my friend was going through something that I was going through, I'd be like, you like, what are you doing in there? But in it, it's just so hazy in it. It's just like, um, like, Oh, well, this is my husband. Like, I don't like, you know, putting something in place, like something legal in place. Um, it seems like a really big deal. And so I consulted with a counselor and just to make sure, you know, I was doing like, I was seeing things clearly and, and, um, she, she said, yeah, that's, that's not normal marital conflict that that's beyond like, that's, that's not okay. Um, what is happening, what he's doing to you. That's, that's not normal. Um, and so said, okay, all right, well, we'll put this in place. And it was, it was really difficult, a really difficult decision, honestly. And, um, and so, um, we moved forward and got the divorce and I was served with divorce papers. And I just remember receiving them. And like, I was in shock. I was like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Like, I can't believe I'm going to be like the divorcee friend. I was just like, <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't process it. I was like, I did not plan on this happening. Um, and it was just to wake up on like, like who, like how I would be looked at and how others would see me and and I I felt like like a failure that that I was like man like everyone has such great marriages my friends and and here I am and I'm going through a divorce and I'm going to be a single mom (laughs) and I don't know how I'm going to do this and so being a social worker, I am like, okay, well, let's like, I have resources. I know resources. So automatically I signed up for every resource I could think of. I'm like, I'm going to need as much help as I can to get through this. So I signed up for, for housing, for food help, for every type of help. And I was just like, I just, I need, you know, I'm going to need help through this. And so going, moving forward, I got a job and, and started working and, and the woman was like, Oh, you know, women, like usually people start making more and more. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know how that's, this is going to be possible. I don't see myself pulling out of this. And, and, uh, so I, I continued to work and continued and, you know, there were, other things going on in the background of like my, my ex remarrying everything. And I, and I found myself just seeing like, wow, like I need to go through a healing process. Like I need to heal. How do you heal from this? Um, cause I, 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 I knew I wanted to, um, I, I had the desire to remarry, but I'm like, you know, I'm just so happy being single right now at this point, because it was so bad before. I'm like, we'll see, you know, but I, I definitely know I need to get healthy um, for myself and for my son um, emotionally. And so um, I, one of the things that I 
I noticed is that I had this story. I had this story that I felt like I needed to tell everyone about how I'd been wronged. And it was in every conversation. It just needed to come out this story. And, um, and I noticed other um, divorced individuals having the same need to, to tell their story of how they were wronged in their marriage. And, and, um, and so I found, a. Uh, I, I had prayed so much to just like, help me to find the modalities that I need to be able to heal through this. And, and so I was led to a number of books, like books about forgiveness um, and, and learning about, about forgiveness and how to really let go of, of those emotions and, and not be okay with what happened as in like letting it repeat, but, but accepting what happened and, and being able to move forward with the lessons from what happened, you know, it's kind of separating the nuggets and the lessons from, um, from the negative emotions and letting those negative emotions go. And so I found a modality that, that was helpful uh, with letting that story go in a really unlikely place. Um, and, and found myself not needing to tell that story anymore. And, and so I, I started growing and doing better in my employment and new opportunities that, you know, that God presented to me. And eventually, like, I remember the day I, I got off I got off of the welfare and I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. I'm, I'm doing it. Like I'm doing it. And I was so excited that on the day that like, I, I was a little nervous. I'm like, Oh, I'm losing my, my food stamps or I'm losing my housing. Like, am I going to be able to do this? And then I remember the first month I was able to pay all of my rent on my own and, and signed up to build a house and, and Heavenly Father has just taken care of me through this whole situation. And um, I'm curious, could you share a little bit more about the books on forgiveness that you found? Or is there are there any resources that or the modality that you've used? Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, um, there were there's one book that that still stands out. It's called The Bait of Satan. And it is, it's by a Christian author and it's just about forgiveness, um, and about how to, how to forgive, um, and, um, in regards to dating again, uh, there's like how to find a date worth keeping about just dating, um, to, to connect, that the goal of it isn't to be married, but just to become healthy in your connections with other. And then marriage is, is a product of those healthy connections, but the focus is just having healthy connections. And then the modality that I found was actually with um, uh, the church of Scientology. I was looking in and mm. I found um, uh, it's, it's called Dianetics. And in the Dianetics, you're repeating 
a story and you're with someone who is certified in Dianetics and you repeat this story um, over and over again. And, and with that, it, it processed that story. And, um, and so that wasn't it. I was surprised at that. I was like, wow, what I'm being led to this. And I just, I went to a few sessions and, and it was, it was great. It was just what I needed. Um, and then the other one is called accelerated resolution therapy. And this is where you're processing um, images and and other sensory um, other sensory perceptions of the trauma, and you're rewriting them, rescripting them um, through uh, bilateral simulation. Uh, it's the body's natural uh, way it uses to um, process things to long-term memory. And so those ones um, have been really helpful. And what is bilateral stimulation? It's like where your eyes, um, like where your eyes can go like back and forth or you're tapping back and forth, like each side of your body. Uh, But primarily they focus on using, uh, doing that with the eyes. Like when you sleep in the REM cycle, your eyes are going back and forth, right? And and so this is the way that the body has to process the things that happen during the day to long-term memory. And so um, in, in ART for short, you you um the, there's a, a thing in the the brain called the amygdala, and that's where all like the trauma, everything is being stored. And so um, when you're bringing up the trauma. It's like the last time that you can, you bring it up in all of its glory. Like if you can face it one last time while you're doing the bilateral simulation and, and rewriting it and seeing it and changing it, um, then that's the last time you have to, you know, feel that. Uh, and, and so you still have the memory of it, just the emotions have been processed. So you're not constantly triggered by by the experience. And I'm curious, as you started to do the Dianetics and that Excel, did, did they go hand in hand? Were you doing both of those at the same time, the Dianetics and the Accelerated Resolution, or were those at different times? Yeah, different times. So I did the Dianetics first, um, because that story, again, that story was just so overwhelming. Like I needed to say this. And so that story was processed, like kind of the verbal part of it. And I didn't feel that need to, to tell everyone, you know, my, why, why I got divorced and how I've been wronged, you know, all of this stuff. And so, um, and then afterwards I, I had heard of this by a friend and cause she had been uh, I, I met her at a training and she told me about it and I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I chatted with her and set up a, an appointment and, and then did the, the ART and, and it it cleared up. It was so, it was so amazing that I, I then got certified myself <laughs> in my own practice. I was doing private practice at the time. And, and so I, I got that certification, it was just such an amazing tool to clear up trauma. And it was so quick. Like I'm, I am about efficiency and healing and finding the best 
quickest ways to effectively heal. And that was one of the things I was just blown away by this tool. Can you give like an example of the contrast that you experienced from doing a session? So if you did the accelerated resolution training and were guided through that with a therapist, um, could you immediately, did you, did you see that contrast where you weren't feeling like you had to explain yourself or how did you see the contrast or understand like, Oh, wow. I'm making a lot of progress really rapidly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with this other one, it was, it was slower in healing with the Dianetics. It was slower. Um, it was just, it was a good pace though. What, what I needed to be able to just process this out and this story out. And then when I was ready to really let it go, it was almost, that was like the preparatory part of it. And then when I was really ready to just, okay, I'm ready to let it go and not, you know, no longer be defined by this and um, like, but, you know, have it in my, have it in my experience arsenal of, of like, okay, these are the the nuggets and things that I, um, that I've learned. I mean, of course I'm, I'm going to be constantly defined by it, but it's not going to be like, oh, I'm the divorce person. I kind of a thing, uh, if that makes sense. And so, um, so yeah, then the, the ART was really helpful in, in processing out the images of like all of those disturbing images of being, you know, terrified and seeing these pictures of like him standing over me, you know, threatening me kind of thing. And yeah, different, different images like that. Those were, were processed out quickly, like in the session, <laughs> like wow. it's ART is pretty, uh, you wrap it up pretty quickly. So whatever triggers are brought up, the, that goal is to wrap it up within the same session so that the client isn't leaving triggered, but that it's all, it's all kind of closed up and rewritten. So do you have any suggestions on people being able to process trauma on their own? Um, Oh, it's tough on their own. Like I, so I'm a big do it yourselfer. And so for the longest time I was trying to do do that on my own and it wasn't, you know, I, I could only go so far, um, with it. And so there may be some people that has, have found that they can process like severe trauma on their own. I just have not, I'm not one of those people. I have not found that, um, I needed the help of someone else. And, and that's the thing is, is that trauma is such a a spectrum. It's sometimes people think of trauma as just really, really severe experiences, like, like severe abuse, things like that. Um, but the body is such that there's just some things that it holds on to, you know, and, and it could be considered, you know, not, not as severe or not even considered trauma, but, um, but that's kind of how at least I label trauma is, is just any distressing thing that the body is hanging on to, you know, however big or small, if you want to label it big or small, it's just sometimes the body has a hard time letting go of, of a highly emotional, like impactful situations. And so, um, and I, I've had people like, in a in my private practice that, that, they, they haven't had anything like, 
they've never been to counseling. They've never had depression, anxiety. That's kind of a common one. Um, but they come in and they're like, I feel so anxious and I don't have control over this. And I like, I don't know what is going on with me. And they're, you know, they're typically like highly independent people that are just like, I don't know what is going on. And and so then I do a little bit of exploring into their past and find that they have trauma and, and they, they bring it up and, um, and they've been trying to just work around it for so long, but it takes a lot of energy for the body to manage trauma and it becomes, you know, bigger and bigger, um, and, and your emotions are like indicators. And so they, they let, you know, it just like pain lets, you know, like, oh, Hey, I've got a broken arm. <laughs> I need to address that. Uh, emotions around certain experiences are, are the indicators that let you know, Hey, this needs to be processed still. And even now just thinking, I'm like, Oh man, I got really emotional over that story. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm like, good to know. I, it sounds like there is some things in that story in my past that, that I need to process that's, you know, I'm like, okay, emotions are indicators. It's, it's nothing that a lot of times people will, will try to shove it down, like shove the emotions down and, and they think they're managing it, but no, that's the body telling you like, Hey, this needs to be processed. It's letting you know, our emotions are such a blessing to let us know. Um, and, and so when you, when you go and, and then you clear it out and then typically those emotions should start subsiding, subsiding. So I'm curious, um, you, you know, how you talked about the need to, to explain yourself or, or to like, talk about how you were mistreated in your marriage. Um, and I, I don't have that kind of an experience, but I definitely can relate to the need to explain myself the need to justify mm. why I think the way I do or the way I'm feeling about a specific situation or maybe a political, something that's become very political. And therefore I feel like this need to justify or explain myself. And I'm curious, um, is what, what's the correlation there? Like if we're trying to explain ourselves, what, what is the connection to that? Is that just showing like the insecurity of the person reflecting insecurity or is that reflecting the fact that like you need to, to, to make peace with how you feel about it or. That's a great question. I think, I think you're right on track, JC. Like I, I think that if something keeps coming up over and over, like it just needs to be, you need to like delve into it, like, and start asking questions just like you're doing, you know, like, why do I feel this need to to defend myself or, or, you know, what, you know, and, and there isn't a one answer for, for all, you know, everyone has such different experiences or why they could be repeating that. And that's why having, um, having someone like a, a second party that's outside of it, that's objective, um, uh, that can see, like maybe uh, see patterns, it's really helpful to have someone there. And that's why like, um, like, I feel like everyone should have a counselor. Like I have a counselor, I have a go-to person that I go to, to um, get things processed, but being able to have someone um, to, you know, while you're in this midst of like trying to figure this out, 
uh, and then they can kind of see a little clearly because they're not in it. And, and so asking questions, I think you're right on like, why, why do I still feel this need? And maybe it is insecurity. Maybe there's a situation in my past where like, I don't feel deserving of this. So I keep having to reassure myself or defend myself that I do need to have this, you know, there's just so many, so many different variables that could be playing into, you know, to behavior. That's, and that's the, that's the fun thing about behavioral science and, and stuff is figuring out, you know, why people act the way they do and how they tick and, and how to clear it out, you know, so that they can be their best selves. And, and I'm curious, cause this is now like making me think, you know, um, <laughs> so you're thinking, <laughs> yeah. huh, that's so interesting. Cause the thought that actually is coming from this is the emotional. So when things come up emotionally for us, um, and a lot of times I feel like it can be related to spiritual themes or uh, religious themes that there is like, you know, when you feel the spirit, you, you may cry or is, is that because your body is processing things or is that because your body is experiencing the spirit? I don't know. I'm starting to like, I'm kind of making the correlation of like, when do these emotions, how can our emotions help us to be the roadmap to help us understand where we need to go? to heal ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's a great question. Um, I think that, um, again, everyone is different and some people feel the spirit without crying. Some people feel it with crying. Um, and so, uh, again, I, like, I don't think trauma has the monopoly on emotions for sure. Like, I think there's, there's tears of joy that you can feel there's where it's not necessarily related to trauma. Um, and so it's, I guess the type of emotions, particularly like if, if you're thinking about an experience and like yucky feelings come up, like, Oh, I don't want to think about that. Then that means, Oh, yet you do, you do need to bring that up and you do need to clear that out. Um, but, but emotions, uh, especially tears, tears can be with happiness, can be with sadness, can be with anger. Um, and so tears is a little bit different, but it's, it's kind of what, what emotions are not, resourceful what what isn't benefiting you um and if you're trying to shy away from thinking about a certain experience then then that's an indicator like hey this this probably needs to be processed whereas after it's processed you're like oh i can think about this and i don't have those yucky feelings come up mm -hmm. and um for yourself um can you share an experience or a time where you were able to help a couple or a person uh, process something and like, or maybe what are the benefits and satisfaction of your job in and of itself that you're yeah. going to help people work through things like this? Yeah. I, I, again, like with this, with this modality, I'm, I just got certified in the second level of it because I love it so much. I love the power that it has to just change so quickly. And, um, and so I, I can't get too specific just for, right. For, you know, like confidentiality purposes, but, um, but just seeing like when, when I start out in a session, I usually have it like a distress scale from zero to 10 and, and I kind of kept track, like what, 
you know, how often is, is this distress scale moving and what direction does it move? And, and I found that probably 95% of the time it would go down and typically go down to zero, whether they start at, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and it would drop to zero, just, you know, is amazing. And I, and I was surprised every time. I didn't know why I kept being surprised. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I did it again. And they were like, my clients were surprised. They were like, wow. Like, I feel really good. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing. Um, the times that it didn't happen, um, I found there was, there was a little bit of, uh, uh, it's called secondary gain. It's where um, people hang on to um, to certain to behaviors or, or emotions, negative, uh, non beneficial. Well, what we would think is non beneficial emotions, because it does actually benefit them somehow. So I was going through a session, and we we're trying to release anxiety, and we we're getting to the point to release it. And she's like, "Well." it's okay if I keep a little bit of it. And right there, my mind was blown. Like what? Like you came in to release anxiety and now you're wanting to keep some of it. And so it's figuring out like, um, sometimes it's so a part of someone's identity that they don't know how they can't see themselves without it. And so, so figuring out how to help them, you know, what are the benefits they're getting from it and how to keep the benefits, but release the unbeneficial emotions around it. And it takes a little extra work, but, um, but yeah, it's just, I hope that answers your question. No, that's great. And I am curious, what would you say for somebody who's like, wow, I think there's some things I need to process. What are the next steps I should take in figuring out how to get through that? Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think it's, uh, again, like healing is, is so personal for, for, you know, each individual and, and I think making it a matter of, of meditation, uh, if you're religious, making it a matter of prayer and seeing, um, uh, feeling out, like asking, you know, to, to be guided to, to the modalities that will help you. And it could be secular. It could not be secular. It could be more alternative. Um, and so just being open to, to any type of, of healing that, you know, you're kind of guided to and, and not judging the journey, not judging, you know, being open, like, yeah, this, this is the human condition. You, you could be, you know, this rough, tough Marine and have trauma that you need process. It's, it's the human condition needing to process these emotions because everyone has a body and everybody holds on to things. And so, uh, it's, it's first accepting like, yeah, it's okay. I'm just human and that's okay to have things to process. Um, and first accepting that about yourself that, that, yeah, I've got, I've got to process these things and then finding the healer that's, that's best for you. I found this, you know, and so anytime things come up, I call my my ART therapist and, and go in and like, Oh, this totally came up and I, I need to get it processed. Um, there's another really book, a really good book called, uh, the body keeps the score and it talks, it's, it's very technical, but it, it talks about just how the body processes 
uh, hangs on to things and how it needs help processing and letting go and how holding on to things can can result in disease, uh, chronic disease. Um, if you go online, there's a test you can take and it's called the ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experience um, Score. It's got 10 questions. And so the higher that you score on it, the more likely you are to have chronic conditions and, and it does affect you physically. Trauma affects you physically. And so, um, just recognizing where you're at, no judgment of like, oh, I'm a mess or I'm, it's just like, oh, wow, I've got, I've got a lot of life experience. And, and then you get to the point of like, wow, like this experience, um, it, it's not always negative. It, it, there is good in every single experience. I know it's, it's hard to, <laughs> to imagine that. Um, but I, I remember I, I served on, um, uh, uh, a mission for my church and and uh, it was at a visitor center and the director was like every experience is good and in my mind I'm like BS like that's so whatever you know I have I because I've had trauma I've had childhood trauma and 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 so I'm like yeah right like there's no good in these experiences you know but I, I have come to find out that, that I, I agree with him, that every, every experience, no matter how quote unquote bad it is, it is experience. It is life experience. And there is value in that experience. Yeah. And I am going to ask, so for members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, like you and I, I know that there is, there's this like enabling power of the atonement and accessing the atonement. And sometimes I think people feel like that's pretty ethereal. Um, and how have you used therapy to access the atonement or, yeah. you know, the connection between those two? Great question. Yeah. There's, there's some things where, um, where I like I'll consult with heavenly father on, um, but I also believe that he wants us to help each other. And, and so going in and, and, you know, having a counselor, having a therapist help you process, um, process this. And, and then there's, you know, there's, there's like the trauma side and, but then there's also like the sin side where you're feeling, you know, there's guilt and, and things like that, where you can consult with the bishop and, and, um, and get that, you know, figured out with the Lord. And so I think it's a matter of consultation. And again, like, like meditating or praying on like, um, okay, what, what direction do I need to go with this? Do I need an ecclesiastical leader? Do I need a therapist? Do I need a, you know, um, do I need medication? You know, sometimes that, that medication piece is essential to help people, um, move forward, you know, in their therapy and, um, and in life. And so just every experience is so, so individual, but I think it's just kind of a matter of consultation. Right. Of, of that. Of the spirit, right. And our personal yeah. revelation, our capacity to right. receive that. Yeah. Right. Um, and so we're going to wrap this up, but I am curious, we currently, you are pregnant and yeah. almost <laughs> about to have another little child. And so can you tell um, us or about like your experience with Enzo? And then of course, this little child who's coming, um, what are some of the treasures of being a mother? 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I love it. Oh my gosh. I'm just getting emotional thinking about it. I, I love my son so much. And he like, again, sometimes people think like, Oh, do you regret that marriage? And do you regret that first marriage? And I, I absolutely don't like, in the beginning, I'd be like, why, why did I feel like I needed to marry this person? Like, this is a living hell for me. Like, why am I now having to live with this nightmare for the next 18 years? Like, you know, why? <laughs> and, and everything, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, and I am so grateful for my son. When, when I was younger, I was terrified about being a mother. I never experienced babysitting. Like I was just like, Oh my gosh, I, well, how am I going to do this mother thing? You know? Um, and there's some pretty amazing tools. I, I aligned with this company, um, and actually became a, a teacher, uh, in-home family specialist where I, I helped families to create behavioral plans and, and get structure in their families. And there's uh, really good books. It's uh, common sense parenting. Um, that it just, it's, it's got a, a good mix of, of empathy and love and, um, and, and doing behavioral, you know, behavioral modification, but, um, but that really prepared me for how to, how to do the discipline part of it. And it, it's just a learning experience. And I, you know, this is only my second one that I'm having now. And so I, 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 I hear people, you know, every kid is so different. So I'm like, okay, we'll see, we'll see how this one is, but we're so excited. And I like being a mother brings me so much joy. These little people are just so so innocent and so fun and and uh, I, and a heavenly father is here every day there's sometimes I'm like I am ah, you know I can just I'm so upset at you but I love you <laughs> you know like um and then other days it's just so fun to see these little people develop and you know tell their first knock knock jokes and their first like it's just it's it's the most amazing thing, um, miraculous thing to see unfolding. And, and I'm, we are so excited for this, this new little one and, and, um, to, to see what his personality is going to be like. And, um, yeah, we're, we're really excited. We're so excited. That's so wonderful. And if there's anything that you could just like a message you would like to share with the world, what is the message that you'd like to give the world at this time? When things are kind of, I mean, I feel like in commotion is a good word, but also there's so much that's beautiful about life, right? And so what is something that you would like to share with the world? <laughs> no pressure, like one no pressure. <laughs> um, I, I think honestly, the, the thing is that there, there is value in every experience. Um, again, like, uh, there was, there was a man that I met while I was, I used to work at, at the Provo temple and, and he was just so happy. He was so happy. And 
he was he could barely walk he was hunched over he looked like he was probably 85 and he was just barely making it up to like the clothing counter in the temple and I was just like man like he was just this light was just coming from his eyes and I was getting him his clothes and I was like hey so what's your secret like you seem so happy like what can you tell me? And, and he's like, you know, um, just, just that, that this is the only time in our entire existence in mortality. So we have a little bleep of mortality in our entire existence and cause we exist forever. Right. And so this is the only time we will feel pain. This is the only time we will feel that extreme sadness and loss. And, and I am so grateful because I will never feel this again. I will never feel this. And I was like, wow, that's, that's a really interesting way to look at it. <laughs> like to be grateful for the pain and to be grateful for, you know, all of the things that happen. And, and if there's one thing that I'm really learning is that every life experience no matter how painful it there is value to it and there is you know the light of of Jesus Christ can infiltrate that and make it a beautiful experience in your life he's like he can make lemonade out of lemons he can like he can make everything beautiful beautiful